love's the worst. I wish there was a magic cure. Welcome to Storybroke! Miserably ever after. I'm a cat boy that's actually Nyan Binary, Mads. <laughs> and I have a cat here who's yelling. Okay, so today we are talking about uh, Season 1, Episode 10 of Once Upon a Time, 7.15 a.m. This is a time I rarely, if ever, see. Same. Um, yeah, like, even when I'm not, you know, like, not working from home, uh, I have to be at work for 8.30, and I am out of bed at 7.57-ish. Well, I, I, I work from home now, so um, I have started forcing myself to get up at 8 for work at 9, which is very impressive because before then, I was waking up at 8.55. Hey, hey for 9, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're night people, you know? Yeah. Okay, so um, before we get into this episode, why don't we just go ahead and, and kick it off? With, with, our, with our summary. Okay. Uh, normally, here's where I would say, here's the basic plot. But this time, I'm just going to say, here's the plot. Elaine gave me two pages here. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff today. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in it's this episode. It's a good story. It's a good story. It's a good story. There's a lot, there's a lot of good things. Okay, so here's the plot. Once upon a time, Snow White found herself adapting well to the life of a solitary fugitive on the run, living off the land in the enchanted forest, supplemented by monthly bread and fruit deliveries from her trusted friend Red. That is, until Red also brought along the knowledge that the man she loved was due to be married in two days. Seeing that her friend was heartsick and desperate to get her mind off the man she could never be with, Red advised her that Rumpelstiltskin could provide the magic necessary to help her forget her love for Prince Charming. Snow jumped at the chance and found herself making a deal with the Dark One. One personalized potion that would completely erase every trace of Prince Charming from her mind in exchange for a few strands of hair. Meanwhile, Prince Charming found himself between a rock and a hard place when the king pretending to be his father demanded that he give his whole heart to Princess Abigail for the sake of all the lives of the kingdom he must protect, using honor and all those promises he made against him. Desperate to find out if the object of his affections felt the same way, Charming sent a messenger pigeon with a letter telling Snow that if she loved him, he would join her in the fugitive lifestyle so they could truly be together. Upon receiving the letter, Snow rushed to the castle to proclaim her love to him, but was captured by the king's men, temporarily imprisoned with Grumpy, who also had love problems, and freed by the, by the dwarf. Oh, let me redo that sentence. And freed by the dwarf and his fellow dwarven rescuer, Stealthy. As they escaped, they split up. The dwarves were caught escaping, and Stealthy the dwarf was killed in the attempt. No! As Grumpy was about to be killed for aiding Snow's escape, she valiantly appeared and agreed not to burn the whole kingdom down, and also cooperate, in exchange for his life. The king demanded she break Prince Charming's heart in order to save his life for he would rather have his not-son be a dead martyr than lose the merger with King Midas. She believed him and agreed. She went to him, proclaimed she never loved him, and wished him happiness, leaving him heartbroken. As her own heart continued to break on her walk away from the castle, seven dwarves met her and offered her a home, because they'd all lost someone that day. 
Grumpy begged Snow not to take the potion and just let her feelings run their course. The next day, Prince Charming rode off to look for Snow White, vowing to find her. Grumpy, having heard the news that the royal wedding had been called off, rushed to find Snow White and tell her, and discovered too late that she had taken the potion. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Regina asks Emma to look into The Stranger, because she's worried he's taken too much of an interest in Henry. Mary Margaret reveals to Emma that she's been rushing to the diner every morning at 7.15am, title of the episode, to catch a glimpse of David, and is maybe stalking him a bit. She soon discovers that David's wife Catherine thinks she might be pregnant, and tries to distance herself from her obsession, but is brought to the animal shelter when she rescues a dove that had gotten caught in some netting. With a storm blowing in, she rushes back to the woods to get the the dove back to its flock so that it won't die of heartbreak if it's never reunited with its monogamous partner. Unfortunately, a landslide causes her to lose her footing and fall off a cliff, and she finds herself dangling from a root, like a cartoon cliché. Just as she's about to plummet to her death, David pops out of the woods to save her, having followed her, quote, for her own safety. The storm arrives early, and they seek shelter in a cabin, in which Mary Margaret confesses her true feelings for David, including how they never can be together because he chose Catherine over her, especially now that Catherine might be pregnant. Surprised by the news, he confesses to her that he goes to the diner at 7.15am to see her every morning, and tries to get her to talk about their feelings. Luckily for Mary Margaret, the storm passes enough for her soon enough for her to rush out to free the dove, and tells David that his affection towards her is too painful to bear. The next day, she decides not to go to the diner at 7.15 a.m. Having discovered she's not pregnant, Catherine asks David if he is willing to go to couples counseling to make their relationship work, and David agrees. He decides not to go to the diner at 7.15 as well. At 7.45 a.m., however, the star-crossed lovers accidentally meet at the diner. Frustration in their situation comes to a head, and David tells Mary Margaret that Catherine isn't pregnant. They kiss, being seen only by the ever-watchful eyes of the mayor. <sighs> okay, so this episode is kind of a tangled knot for the Storybrooke side, so my notes for Storybrooke are just one big block for the present. Is that okay for That's today? That's totally fair. You're leading I- today. Okay, cool. So we're going to just kind of hit that whole thing in order. But we usually start off each week with what happened in the past, especially as it relates to the, the episode. So let's uh, let's start in the past, in the fairy tale world. Right. Um, one of my things I noted like right off the bat is that I feel like this is the most effective fairy tale story we've had to date. Even more than the Troll Bridge? I think so. I, I think that this this story held up across across the board stronger and had its own room to breathe. And uh, the transitions between the two different storylines were handled the best I've seen in the series to date. Like for me, this was really solid. Oh, um, yeah. There's even a transition really like later on. The hood. That I really, the hood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was really, really good. And um, you know, there's some, there's, there's some episodes where we switch back and forth a lot really rapidly and neither really feels like it ever has time to breathe. Mm-hmm. And this one was just. This one was not really, jarring. No, this one was like really well edited. So right. I was like. Like hey. they, they do their best work with their Snow White Prince Charming stories. And this is another one of those episodes where we got to. We had a little bit of side story, but we got to focus solely on the Snow White and Prince Charming dynamic, which they work so well together. They really do. The, I mean, they got married and had some babies, so yeah, they must work well together. 
<laughs> right? Um, so our first shot of the episode is in the past is snow in the woods with like a full on spear. So yeah. I'm happy. Like right off the bat, we've got a woman with a weapon. I'm good. Look, um, she's a badass a lot in this episode. She's fantastic. You know, this is um, later on, like the mythos of Snow White in the past is like, she's like a warrior princess. Yes. Like Snow White warrior princess. And this is where we really get to see that early on. Um, So I'm living. Yeah. And more importantly, her wig. So good. Is good. It looks real. Her wig is so good. Like, it's a good wig. I'm like, yay. It took us 10 episodes. (laughs) But we did it. Um, Twigs and branches work for her. The makeup is extremely modern, and the fur on her collar is visibly synthetic in the close-ups. Yeah. But hey, we've there was, got a good wig. I, I always, uh, my my husband has never seen this show before, so he's watching it for the first time at this snail's pace that we watch the show at for this podcast, because if I get ahead, I get lost. Um and he commented that the only thing he didn't like was her costume for this. There was just something about it that was off. So I guess that's what it was. Yeah, it's like the fit is a little off for her. Like it's um, it's a little too tight in some places and a little too too baggy in other places. And it's yeah. just it's it's like why'd you make her so boxy? She's a she's, she's a good looking lady. Um, and then too, that synthetic fur makes me angry. I think it was, um, yeah, the fur. I mean, I didn't find. I, I mean, if I were a woman in the woods, I wouldn't care if I looked a little boxy. Fair. Just fair. Saying. Just saying. Fair. <laughs> but, but this woman living in the woods did take the time to put in false eyelashes. Oh, no, those are natural because she's Snow White. She's blessed. Oh. That's how, that's how fairy tale princesses work. It's not all, like, sometimes you get lucky and a fairy comes in and gives you all these good things. And sometimes you're just born with it. Oh, does she also have her eyeliner tattooed on? You know, and probably. Like little, you know, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> so anywho, um, I like that we established, like, right off the bat, Red is here. Anytime <gasps> Red is on screen, yeah. I'm happy. Can we talk about how different that actress looks in her Enchanted Forest makeup than she looks in her diner makeup? Yes. She she looks so good in both. She's she looks- so, like, like, Luther almost, like, Luther had a moment where he was like, oh, my God. That's Ruby. <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, and she's just, I mean, drop dead gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Um, she looks got, so soft. She's got a hair piece in, but that's also her, it looks like her natural hair. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. I love her red cloak, her her namesake. It's yes. just, and uh, there's some exposition here, but it's not too heavy. Yeah. It's like nice and like, here's a little hint. And so this is a thing I'm going to start wondering about later because so timeline wise, Snow White doesn't know about Rumpelstiltskin, but he's definitely been building power yeah. at this stage of the show. Yeah, I don't know how many years he's been around. Um, yeah, as we don't the know, dark one. Yeah, we don't know that timeline. Hmm. Some fan will have it, um, or someone will add us. <laughs> <laughs> Please add this us. Is, this is the first time that Snow is hearing about, you know, Rumpelstiltskin. And so I thought that was really interesting that now we're, uh, okay, we're going to introduce this. We're going to have this uh, storyline start to kind of pop up and we're going to figure out why maybe this episode spoilers. We actually don't. Uh, <laughs> we're going to figure out why Snow White and Prince Charming hate Rumpelstiltskin and find him so dangerous. So <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> we, paddle out, we paddle out on this river. Um, it's a very, very simple set, but it's very effective. We have a misty river. We have a dock with a light on it and that's it. That that's is a good set. It's a good it was set. Effective. Um, as effective as Rumpelstiltskin's entrance, they're always so good. 
Um, he didn't explode a fairy this time, but no. just popping up on the boat and being like, how much for this, Derry? Oh my um, God. He was so good. This scene, it's all we get of him this episode. And he like chewed it up because of perfect. it. It yeah. was amazing. Um, this show we watch for the villains. I feel safe saying, at least, <laughs> at least for me. Um, we, we love long, to hate them. But we yeah. had a long talk on Twitter about that today. <laughs> yes. We're recording Thursday. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. About how uh, I, I, I it, it's interesting. We do have like a very different take on how we approach fairy tales and fantasies because I didn't start appreciating villains uh, until much later because. I, I I take back that I was sheltered. I was not sheltered. I just had a different life from everyone else, and they thought that was sheltered. Mm. But I, I, you know, I grew up on classic fairy tales, including the old Grimm's, the bloody ones, where it, you know, in Cinderella, it wasn't you know the the stepsisters were like cutting off toes and bleeding through the shoe to to fit in. Like I I grew up on the old stuff, and in those, a lot of the time, the evil motivation was jealousy. There wasn't right. a backstory. There wasn't a huge like it was. It was jealousy or pride or spite or power. And that was like, that was it. That was all you got of the backstory. And, yeah. and, and oh, it's only in the last, I mean, I, there have always been dramatic backstories for, for bad guys. There have been, but they have become more commonplace in the last couple centuries. Yeah. And I think we're going to really want to get into that later when we talk more about when we get to our next Regina episode or our next Mr. Gold episode. Yeah. And I also want to talk about like what makes a compelling hero for me at some point. Um, but we have so much to cover. This I'm, I'm sorry, I got I got sidetracked because yeah. I wanted to I wanted to point out that it's, it's already been noticed. It has been noticed that I uh, I don't forgive the villains as easily. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Rumpelstilts can offer her a potion. Uh, this is interesting to me because it's the only time I recall him offering something and not naming the price until it's given. Okay. Because Snow White has that bottle of water and her own hair. That's it. Cloudy I mean, magic fingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cloudy he magic used fingers. cloudy magic fingers. And he did a... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. He used his laugh as other people use um in this episode. Yes. It was amazing. Um, why does he want her hair? Why does he want her hair? I mean, the wig's not that hair? good. It's a better... It's a better... But, you know, it's no longer on her hate. Um... I mean, I mean. I love the way he says head. I do too. On her head. Uh, <laughs> Why do you care if it's no longer on your head? <laughs> I, I assume, and this is, again, I have watched the show before, but it has been a decade. I assume that this is how he makes that curse later that only her child can, can oh, break. That's my perhaps. assumption. Perhaps. But we, we don't know that. And that's just because Elaine always guesses the ends of stories before they happen. We don't know yet, so we'll have to see. Um, so this scene is fun. It, it progresses pretty quickly. I want to jump to the next scene so we can oh, just pass there was through a, it. There was a real good line in here where he's talking about, she's about to, she doesn't like the idea of her love being completely erased, like right. her memory being completely erased. And he goes on about how, how dangerous love is and love has killed more than any disease. And he just makes such a compelling point against love and i'm like "Mm, i'm sure that won't pop up later in his personal life yeah i'm sure (laughs) you're not just an extremely bitter person (laughs) look this is this is every single gay man i've met in the bar over 40 um (laughs) ooh, yeah yeah so So, the next scene sorry go ahead no you 
Okay, so this next scene is between King Dad and Prince James. I found it the only real weak point in the episode for me because some of the the lines are really wooden. Oh, God. And especially, the, I mean, these two men just, they don't have chemistry, which they fits. Don't. And they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to, but it doesn't feel like they have conflict and lack of chemistry yeah. because of the conflict that they have between them. It just feels like neither of them is really committed and they realized that they needed to go and do like a quick episode reshoot to add some exposition the sound effect that plays when he opens up the little box when king dad opens up the box (laughs) and shows the crown and it makes this like doom noise and i'm like it's a fucking crown like yeah it's not that imposing i had to i again you you won't regularly actually you probably will hear me apologizing for villains more because this story actually does give them a lot of like reasons for why they're being villainous and mm-hmm. this king just seems like he's just being mean for the sake of it but all of his motivations are i need this merger to happen my people are dying yes it's to protect his kingdom um so on a certain level you can see like maybe these ends justify the means but on the other hand he's a dick it's he's a dick about it. like you don't have to be such a dick about you don't have it. Be man. Such a dick about it, man. Stop. Um, like it's an arranged marriage with a guy who's only been a prince like a month. Stop demanding that he wholeheartedly love this woman he's met once. Also, the, also he does love a woman he's met once. So the dialogue here. I talked to you a little bit about this last night because yeah. it bothers me. It bothers me. Yeah. So they go for fantasy esque dialogue and sentence structure. Mm-hmm. But not all the time in this show. Like if it were when we're with nobles, that's when it's happening. And when we're not, it's not. Yeah. But no, it just kind of goes in and out. And in this scene, it sticks out. Especially because for the most part, the scene we just had between Snow White and Rumpelstiltskin, it's very theatrical. Yeah. But they they talk in plain contemporary english as contemporary english as that actor gets for yes but it's not like whatever is happening in this scene so i don't know it again it it bothers me yeah uh cut to the prince writes a note to snow white did you get my text uh Every time, every time he's like, I'll have to, oh, I have to get word to her right now. I was like, okay, he's going to text her and he sends a pigeon. Uh. <laughs> that's no, that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, I went to my phone, which I have uh, on. on no, I did not text and I was you. like, did you send me I a was, show note? Like, I was singing, I was singing that song from that. But yeah, I mean, the next part proceeds pretty quickly. Uh, we have a fairly long gap between this scene and the next one that happens in the past. Yeah. Um. So that we can get some exposition in the real world. But essentially, Prince James is like, you know what? Heck with it. You know, my mom can die. This king can kill my mom. I have true love and I want to run away with Snow White. So he writes a note for her. So we get a sweet note from the prince that basically says, yeah, I want to be with you. Yeah. It's love is worth this. And so Snow White, uh, when she gets the note, she's kind of musing over the bottle. Yeah, she was right about to take it. She was right about to just say, you know, heck with it. And this is what decide, like makes her decide not to just go ahead and take this thing. Yeah. That will erase all of her memories. I realized I kind of glazed past that. If she drinks this potion, she will forget him completely. Yeah. 
no, a sing, not a single memory that involved him whatsoever would stay in her brain. Right. Um, yeah. At this point, like this part of this, this part of the uh, the fairy tale stuff is told in some fairly some fairly brief snippets. Um, we cut away back to Storybrooke. Then we cut back with the best transition between timelines I've seen in the show. Oh yeah! In in the present, um, Mary Margaret pulls her hood up, and when the hood goes down, it's Snow White's hood over her cloak um, as she is sneaking into the castle. Yes. Well, she's bluffing her way into the castle. Yeah, she's wearing a she's wearing a uh, a gold a gold uh, threaded cloak. Uh, because she's supposed to be coming from Midas's kingdom, I thought that was a good touch. Oh, okay. You just solved a problem I had. <laughs> I was trying to figure out. I was like, this cloak is really nice for some like random peasant girl to be. Okay, that I mean, makes it's so what much I noticed. More sense. I noticed that she was wearing the cloak was white. Also, she's not a random peasant girl. She's a former princess. I know, but she's coming in as a random. Peasant yeah, girl. yeah. Yeah, um, she's not coming in as the royal envoy. Yeah, she's been she's, sent. She's been sent with flowers from King Midas. For the prince. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know who this guy who she talks to is, but every time I watched this episode three times this time around and he looks so familiar. I'm going to have to hmm. look him up. And I didn't look him up before I came here because, of course, I um, I almost said, but not too familiar. <laughs> but we're not listening to that. We song don't sing anymore. that song anymore. <laughs> we don't sing that song anymore because that's Bean Dad. Lord, speaking of villains. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, um, so she rolls an, a nat 20 on this bluff check and is able to get into the castle. Yeah. Um, she has to make a stealth check to avoid the prince, which she does. Unfortunately, she didn't have her perception check going. She, she didn't make that perception check because that guard found her quick. None of us saw that guard. That guard just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Locks her up in the prison, locks her up in the dungeons. And uh, the second he leaves, we get to see once again, badass Snow White. Because she just like tries to scale the wall. Yeah. You know, she wastes no time fishing for some kind of scrap of metal and starts. It wasn't like, even a scrap of metal. It was a hard piece of hay. Oh my God. Like she just gets to it. It makes me so happy. And then we are introduced to Grumpy. Yay. Who I, uh, we've met before. We've met before. But this but, is our introduction. Yes. This is, this is uh, the first time that Grumpy and Snow White meet. This is the first time we meet one of the seven dwarves. Um, I really enjoyed this scene and their chemistry. Mm-hmm. I like this actor who plays Grumpy Me so too. much. You know, his dialogue can be a little near, but <laughs> he delivers it with so much heart. Yes. And with such sincerity that it really does. And I, I feel that way about a lot of the scenes in this episode where the dialogue, when you look at it on a page, is rough. But mm-hmm. the actors are really doing a good job with with that material and carrying some great scenes through with that. Yeah. Um, and now we need to talk about Stealthy. Oh, Stealthy. Okay. Stealthy walks in. And is it weird that I thought Stealthy, I'm like, Stealthy walks in. I'm like, oh, he's cute. No, Stealthy's cute. Stealthy's like a cute Stealthy's dwarf. I'm the, like, Stealthy's the attractive dwarf. Yeah. Like Stealthy is my new goth boyfriend and I'll lose <laughs> my mind if anything bad ever happens ever. to him. Ever. I ever. will completely, I'll be... I- I hope nothing bad ever happens to Stealthy, the most well-known of the the eight dwarves. I feel like I must have watched this episode with a friend when we first watched it, because I remember someone going, that's it, that's my favorite dwarf. 
Um, it was probably me. I don't know. Were you watching it live in the first season? No, I wasn't. I started in season three. I must. I must have had one of my. Ro- I was. I was roommated at the time. I think. I must have had someone over or something and was watching the show with me. Stealthy. That's my favorite dwarf of all time. This guy right here. Yeah, so, in keeping with our D and D theme, this is definitely the party rogue. Yes. Oh, like, obviously. Oh, she's pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So we run through a corridor, and he's got good Snow perception. White, yes. <laughs> Snow White gives advice to run this way. Stealthy and Grumpy go another way. Unfortunately, Snow was right. And Snow was right, and Stealthy is arrowed. Immediately arrowed. Immediately, Immediately arrowed. Murdered. And and this was when my friend went. Hang on, no, hang on, hang on. Stealthy. Hang on, no, stop, stop. We have to take a moment of silence. Okay. Whenever a cute person dies on this show. Oh man, we have so many of those. So let's take a moment of silence for Stealthy. <clears throat> okay, I'm good. I would pour one out, but I'd have to mop it up later. Uh, yeah, and no, you can't water. do that when you're indoors. <sighs> yeah. So when Snow White is like threatening to burn down the kingdom, I'm like, burn it down anyway. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He just killed Stealthy. I liked that callback to um to Rumpelstiltskin's uh advice he was given. He was like, "Yeah, the outside's made of made of stone, but everything else is made of wood. Kingdoms are very flammable." And so yep. I had a flashback to that immediately mm-hmm. for this. And she's a again, she's a badass. Yes, because she was gonna do it. <laughs> um, so Snow White uh, lets Grumpy get away. And basically trades herself for Grumpy. Once again, reminding us that she's just, she's not a good person. She's a great person. She's the best. She's the best person. Um, And she's about to do it again because this exchange with King Dad and Snow White is hurtful. Yeah. And Jennifer Goodwin is so good in these next few scenes. I mean, just so, so good. I don't know how I didn't like... I, I don't know how it is that when I think back to season one, I remember Regina the most because Regina is phenomenal. Yeah. But, oh my goodness, Snow is like, really? She's got these just great moments and she's doing these very like small things. That's what it is. I watched this on my laptop the first time and oh. this time I got to see it on a bigger TV where I'm like looking and seeing all these little tiny facial expressions she's making. Yes. How you can see her make a decision with her eyes. And I watched I watched this episode three times around the last two weeks, and there are several moments in this show where I still got that little lump in my throat every time. I knew it was coming, yeah. and it still hurt. Yes, and I so I feel like um, this episode, they must have put a kiss in the preview for it. I'd have to go back and watch it, so don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they must have had a kiss in the preview because there are so many fake-out kisses Um, in the timeline of the episode the one we're about to have is the second but it's the first we'll talk about here yeah and it's when snow white goes into um prince james secretly david yeah that's not confusing um charming's room and returns the letter to him and he he goes to kiss her and she stops him And, and when she says I can't remember what he says that makes her say the line. Hang on. He... Pause, because I need I need to read this. Okay. Oh. Um she well, 
I don't know. She tells him I have, he hugs her overjoyed. She tells him the lie. He pleads. Um, I don't what love you. Yeah. It's um, I, I couldn't write anything down or take notes both times I watched this episode for this yeah. part because I was just so in the scene. Yeah. Oh, this is Ooh, it. Your sound, your sound changed dramatically. Are you just across the room? All right, we're recording again. Okay, weird. It, it switched over to my headset mic. Strange. Which is not a good mic. No. Um. Okay, it's so here's the one. I didn't notice it till I had one right next to the other. Uh, Prince Charming says, now that I know you love me too. And Snow White says, I don't. What? Love you. I don't. I'm sorry. And it's she delivers it with so much sincerity. Oh my god. And I'm I like I watch her eyes towards this and I can like feel her saying with her eyes that this is a lie but she's working so hard to convince him and it's so painful. Yes. And the second I mean you can watch this exact second yeah. when we watch um Josh Dallas's David's James Prince Charming's heart just ripped out just of his chest break in half and, and again her motivation for doing this is to save his life because the king reiterated that he was gonna he, i'm not gonna kill you I don't, no one cares about you i'll kill him right and i'll still get my money right and it's just it's so bad and so she turns away and i mean you could just watch her tears in her eyes oh god it's just it's so painful uh, I wrote cries and buys. Yeah. Um, she meets up with the dwarves outside the castle. And, and there are uh, only seven of them. Yep. Uh, Grumpy says, uh, did you find him? And she says, I lost him. And uh, yeah, then Doc turns in to tell, you know, we lost someone to do. Now we're seven. And that actor has one line, but there's so much pathos in how he says, now we're seven. You yeah. know that poor man. <laughs> Poor man, practiced that line. He said that line so many times. I want to point out something else about Doc. He got a mention in the rescue scene. He made like a sleeping gas. Yeah. That knocked all the guards out. And that's how Stealthy was able to get in. Doc is also a badass. He's also an alchemist, apparently. Yes. (laughs) Um, I, I, I totally missed that. I forgot to mention it. But yeah, he said that line. And it was also to to remind people. Hey, remember whenever he said they used to be eight? Now there's the seven dwarves. But he said it well. It wasn't cheesy. And I appreciated yeah, that. It was like right on the edge, but managed to avoid it, which was good. Like a lot of yeah. the stuff in this episode, there's a lot of stuff that could have gone towards cheese and could have gone towards melodrama really yeah. easily. And like, everyone is so on board and plays it so well. And I'm really happy with how it goes. Grumpy's delivery of what could have easily been a cheesy womp womp line and whenever he's convincing Snow to not take the potion today, maybe don't take the potion tomorrow. Live in your grief. Your grief makes you who you are. Without my, basically, without my my broken heart, without I wouldn't my be who pain, I am. I'm not without grumpy. my pain. I I wouldn't. I'm not grumpy. And I was just like, that could be like a cheesy dumb line, but he delivered it so earnestly. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh. And it's so good that she chose not to drink it then and there. Yes. Because James, I mean, one, it's good for her as a character. But two, we find out sometime later, it's not clear how much time later, but James has decided to not get married. He's not going to get married. And he mounts up on his horse in a scene that was slowed down probably to fill time because they only had a split second of him riding well. But (laughs) 
you know, he rides to her cottage in the woods. She's not there. Uh, Red says she's going to live with the dwarves. And we cut to the dwarves. We cut to Grumpy going to deliver Snow White the good news. And I'm so happy, you know. The wedding got called off. The wedding got called off. Your prince is coming. And she's like. Who? Ugh. Ugh. I know. I know. I'm so mad about it because one, it's, it's. I know it has to happen, but this is why TV shows now only have 13 episodes a season because <laughs> I can't take this for 30 episodes or however long this freaking season is because it's just like, uh. 22. it's like 22 or 24. We're about halfway through. We're almost halfway there. But yeah, and I stand behind, I guess James's mom doesn't matter to him anymore because that's why he's been agreeing to do all this. Yeah. Like, did he I mean- spirit her away? It's, it's something that I need solved. Uh, I mean, I know the answer to it, so I'm not going to say. I don't But it just says that the wedding itself was called off. And that's, I'm going to leave it at that. (sighs) They, they, Grumpy says the wedding was called off. Yeah. So it's something bigger than just James's broken heart is what I think. Yeah. I know the answer, but it's not like. (laughs) We will get there. Yeah, we'll Um, get there soon. We'll get there soon. So hopefully we have a better resolution to the other half of this story in the present in Storybrooke. Yeah, let's Um, see how this goes. Yeah, let's see how this goes. Um, So we open with, uh, I almost said his name. We open with the stranger (laughs) working on his motorcycle. He is in- Oh, we're going to start there, yeah. He is in leather. He has the bluest eyes. I have a type. (laughs) You do. (laughs) He's a little scruffy. He's a little scruffy. (laughs) Strong jaw. Good jaw. This boy has a jawline for days. And uh, Regina's concern in the scene is so palpable. I like (gasps) Regina in this whole episode. She's like, she's a supporting character, not the antagonist of this episode. So she's able to just be a person, which is so nice. I made a mental note of this. And then I mentioned mentioned it in passing uh, to to someone on Twitter today. Um, But I noticed that as the episodes go on, Regina, the characterization of Regina is getting softer towards Henry. It's like she's finally being able to actually, she's finally allowed to be motherly in her acting towards him, which uh, Phantom Fairy, who just started following, sent a a video today where she, she, of, of Lana talking about how she went and had a talk with the producers about how unrealistic the whole just because the birth mother comes into town doesn't mean the child doesn't love his adoptive mother anymore thing was and how she got, she was responsible for some of that softening and changing and the love between them actually being real. So she did. She agreed with us. Yes. About that too. And uh, I was very happy to see that video. It was a very good uh, clip. We're going to have a couple of fandom fairy shout outs in a second because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to say, you know, like we love Lana and we love, we love Regina, but yeah, it is. It is. Uh, there's a lot we have to uh, just pretend didn't happen for the first it two is, seasons. It is the mark of a good actor or actress if they play a character I despise, because that means they did their job well. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm always, I'm always here for a villain. I mean, <laughs> I'm always like one bad day away from being a villain in every tabletop game we've ever played. Um, <laughs> Yeah. For a little while, I was a villain. It's like a thing. And I'm, and I'm always your goody two-shoes best friend somehow. I don't know, I don't know how like, that happens. That's like real life. Uh, yeah. I but, am a villain um, in real life. But 
It, it's nice to know that she had already started softening Regina specifically towards Henry as it was. And yes. that made me that it was noticeable in this episode. Um, and even Henry, like relaxing around her, too, because whenever um, handsome stranger finally gets his bike fixed and rides off, you know, she puts an arm around Henry and says, who's that? And he doesn't flinch or anything. He just uh, comfortably shrugs in her embrace. And I was like, Good. Finally, God. I want to send love back in time, eight years and some change to Jennifer mm-hmm. Goodwin in the following scene with Mary Margaret brushing her teeth. This is another one. Um, Fandom Fairy had pointed this out to Elaine on Twitter. Uh, I think Elaine, you had noticed this on your own. I picked it up during the episode. Every actor I think who watches this is like, yeah, she's actually brushing her teeth. With toothpaste. (laughs) Real toothpaste. That's real spit. That's real spit. (laughs) But it's true. It's good. It's like such a thing where it's like, it just makes the scene like a little more earnest. That she's rushing yes. out, you know, oh, for a volcano, you know, she's going to go. <gasps> oh, my God. Her delivery. Can we talk about how perfect her delivery was? OK, so she's she's saying she's in a hurry. She has to get to school. And Emma's like, well, you've got plenty of time. It's only 710. She's like, no, I've got to help them with their science projects. And she's like, I'm sure they won't mind if you're a little late. And she just looks at her horrified and goes, we're making a volcano. <laughs> like, how could you? And like we cracked up, we that is our favorite line <laughs> the whole it's, show. It, it reminds me a, a little bit of um, it reminds me of a little bit of a line from um, Avenue Q, which mm-hmm. is like it's a show that has not aged super well, but no. it's still a fun show. Um, but Kate Monster is like, well, um, I have to grade papers tonight, but term papers, term papers tonight, but they're only in first grade, so they're very short. <laughs> it's like my favorite line in the entire show and it cracks me up every time in a whole show that's all about like look how like un-pc we can be i'm like the funniest joke is about the first graders (laughs) 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 okay and so now we're gonna get to mary margaret being sad and i don't mean sad as in depressed no i mean girl this episode is painful to watch this because is the problem with Storybrooke. There are I, no gay people in this town. Yeah, and it's, it's overwhelmingly white. Uh, there was one black character this show, so that's good. <laughs> and he's not appearing in this episode. But see, she no, needs... He in this, no, he isn't. It's a different black character. I'm so glad she has Emma she now because she needs a friend to sit her down and go, Girl, girl you're a stalker. Girl, you cannot show up at 7.15 to watch a married man get coffee. What else do you know? And she's just like, I mean, not that much. You I mean, he gets the animal shelter around 745. <laughs> and then she lists his whole day. And then also the day that they sometimes get Chinese food. Oh, my God. Girl. Like she she's she's like, so you're a stalker now? She's like, no, well, maybe a little bit. A little bit. Like she starts to realize it. Um, and then we get the yeah. line that you enjoyed uh about love being terrifying well maybe the first step is not showing up here tomorrow and that's when she says love's the worst i wish there was a cure be Um, careful what you wish for because i i have been in some not healthy obsessive one-sided things in my time i'm a 37 year old woman who falls in love very easily or or even just in extreme like i won't say love i'm i'm very stingy with the the love word within relationships but not in friendship relationships uh, i'm stingy at first and then i you just can't i can't stop saying it see i'm way more anxious about um 
friendships and that kind of thing than I am with um, like finding someone romantic because I am an extremely ridiculously good looking person. And when you are an extremely ridiculously <laughs> good looking person, it's, it's hard, you know, and you kind of have to learn to close yourself off to that a little bit, learn how to fall in love. Um, luckily I, I found another extremely ridiculously good looking person yeah. and I married him. So, yeah, I, I'm a Gemini. So I just collect friends like Pokemon cards. I got to catch them all. Am I a shiny? You're a shiny. But I'm also a misprint, so. Uh, <laughs> that makes you more valuable. Hey! <laughs> yeah, so we get a very brief scene cut in between some of the uh, past where uh, we, we literally run into Catherine. Yeah, at the grocery first, store. They, they, and and I, I, it took me watching three times to figure out what Mary <clears throat> Margaret was buying. She was buying a flashlight and batteries and chocolate because the big storm was coming and she was afraid the lights were going to come out and she was sad. Yep. That is yeah. like, that is a very me grocery store chip. Only instead of a trip, it's only instead of the uh, chocolate it would be hot Cheetos. Yes. Oh God. I don't know what it is when I'm sad. I'm just like, I'm going to punish myself with spicy food. And when I'm happy, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to reward, reward myself with spicy food. You just like spicy food. I like spicy food. You lived in Texas a long it makes time. Me, it makes me happy. But <laughs> it's a pregnancy test that Catherine has. Yeah. And this is our, this is, our and of course, Regina's there. moment from Regina, yeah, where she's just like, I trust you'll keep this to yourself. I'm discreet. Be discreet. discreet. Their lives are none of your business. And I'm like, okay, you you could have stopped one line earlier. And I am way better at keeping a pregnancy secret than Snow White. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you really are. I mean, you're probably better at it than I was. <laughs> um... So Snow White leaves. Look, Snow White only told one person. She only told one person. But she assumed he knew. Yeah. And it, it, it comes later. Yeah, we'll but get yeah, to that. Um, yeah, we'll get there. Even in my notes, I'm not sure how Snow White wound up in the woods finding this bird. But she... She, <laughs> she was on a nature hike. It, she was oh, yeah. dressed for a nature hike. They're in a beautiful area. She was on a nature hike just getting her exercise or clearing her mind or getting her steps in. I don't know her habits. I don't stalk her. Um, well, at 7.15 every day, she gets coffee to stalk some dude. That's good. And then she has to be at school at what, eight? Yeah, to work on a volcano. <laughs> well, no, wait, school wait. starts at eight, but you have to get there before eight to do the volcano. Do you think she was lying about the volcano? Yes. Oh, sh- <laughs> Well, that's not good ethics. To Emma. She was lying to Emma. You can't lie to Which is why Emma followed her, because she can tell when you're lying. Don't lie to your uncursed time travel daughter. Like, don't don't lie to the person whose superpower is, I can tell when people are lying. But she was so earnest about it that she got me the first time. Oh, that's why Emma followed her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm connecting those dots for you. Oh, yeah. But so we have found, (laughs) we find a bird friend in the woods. And so now, obviously, we have to go to the only place in town where we can take care of a bird, the animal animal shelter. shelter Slash vet, which is where we have our our only black character this episode. Yes. The the vet. The vet. So he's a high status. Yes. What was his name? Doctor. (laughs) I couldn't see his name tag. He had a name tag, but I thought to look too late. We learned that these uh, these birds are monogamous and mate for life. And if they uh, lose their mate, they will wither and die alone and miserable. And I'm like, okay, this is a little contrived, but I like it. Um, uh, I think that actually happens in the bird world. 
I think that's actually a thing, which is why if like if like two penguins, because penguins do the same thing, they mate monogamously. And if one of them dies, the other one like falls into a depression and until they get like a friend who comes to comfort them, thing like that. It's very people like. Aw. I know nothing those, of bird culture. There's well, I, I there's a there's a one of those wholesome memes that goes around every now and then and an elderly penguin being comforted by a younger penguin. And it's just a sweet looking picture until you find out it's even sweeter than you think it is because the elderly penguins partner died. And so did the young penguins partner. And they're just there to mutually comfort each other. That's what they, they keep each other company now because they're both widows. You okay? No. <laughs> So, so it's 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 a valid excuse from what I understand when of is, the bird world. I'm not an ornithologist. Is that the right ornithologist? Word? <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here thinking like, okay, we had like a dozen movies, CG movies with penguins like ten years ago. Where's that penguin movie? Like, like you can't kill a penguin. Like, where's the penguin movie where they both lost their spouses and it's just these two lady well, penguins in like a May they- October friendship. Yeah. And it's just, uh, okay. You can't so kill a penguin. The older penguin is played by Helen Mirren. Yes. And who's got like good comedic delivery and it's hot right now, but unproblematic. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson will be the younger penguin. Mm-hmm. Oh God. I love that. <laughs> what, what are we talking about again? Story broke. Story broke. <laughs> Miserably we're ever after. About the, we're talking about the doves. <laughs> We're talking about the doves. So the 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 vet says, yeah, they're they're monogamous. They mate for life. That she'll heal from her wounds, but she'll die of a broken heart uh, if she doesn't get back to her flock. And then the doctor goes off to do more veterinarian things because he's a very busy man yeah. in this this big small town. And a storm is coming, um, so those animals are probably going nuts. Yes, yeah. storm is coming. The animals are going crazy. And David's like, you can't go into the woods because of course he's there just hovering. Yeah, of course he's hovering. Like when the scene opened, I was like, "Why is he there? He does not need to be there." Nope. Go do your job. He's the receptionist. F- That's his job. Go go feed a dog. Go feed a dog. Uh, um and and so he's like, "You can't go." And she's like, "I'm gonna." And he's like, "Well, I'll drive you." And she's like, "No." No, I don't think I want to be alone with you. I need yeah. to put some distance between us, especially cuz she's processing some things. She is she is taking a very she is doing her best to take a mature stance and attempting to distance herself. Yes. And she is trying so hard and this man will not let her. Yes. Um, and I'm mad about it. So we need to kind of move it a little bit forward. Well, that's okay. I'm going to get real mad at him in a few seconds. Oh, yes, same. Um I know we're going to get into that, so I'm like, "Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Look at the time." Um so Mary Margaret goes to the woods. She sets the bird down and... It took me all three watchings to figure out what caught her attention. And there was some sort of landslide that knocked some trees down is what I... Because it had been raining, but it hadn't been storming. It had been raining. So all the land was soft and she was looking at a landslide, right? And she goes right up to the edge of it and then she's looking up and there's like a thunderclap and i guess either that loosens the land or yeah. her standing on this loose land but the combination of the two causes her to fall she off falls the cliff. a lot she falls and there's a ravine she falls a ways catches herself on a branch and fortunately david comes in and saves her and counter stalking counter stalking um 
and she, and he's like, well, I couldn't let you come here alone, so I followed you. You know, yeah, it's he so didn't want cute. you to get hurt. And well, good, lucky, lucky for her that he stalked her back. Um, but she is on a mission because she may die alone of a broken heart in her head, not out loud, you know. Um, yeah. But this bird is gonna find its love. Dang it's it, find yeah. Its family, and yeah. so she's like, goes back for the bird, and then of course, um, we get. The hugest storm. The biggest storm. It just, it was supposed to come tomorrow and it came today. It's a lot like living in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just like, boom, here's the weather. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they rush off until, you know, they can they, find a place to shelter down for the storm. They find a, um, a stereotypical log cabin. Uh-huh. Uh, no idea who it belongs to. Uh, they do not knock. She yells, hello. She yells, is anybody there? They look in the windows and he breaks down the door. Yep. They do not knock. (laughs) I noticed that. Now, if this were fan fiction, um, this scene would be followed by them. Oh, no, we got to get out of these wet clothes. There was a moment where I thought he was going to do that because he he made the fire and he's like, "Okay, let's get you dry. And I was like, don't you. Don't you touch her. Oh, no. I guess we're going to have to wait this storm out for the night. Uh, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thankfully, they didn't. They pulled away just before, before all that happened. Yeah. There was, like, the tension of that's where it was ex- where it that is could our, have, it was expected to go. Yeah, it's our first fake out kiss of the episode in terms of story. But uh, it's the second one we're talking about. Uh, they go in and it seems like they're going to kiss and then she stops well, him. They admit to counterstalking each other. Yeah. That that's what that's what leads to it. They admit to counterstalking each other and she's talking about how painful it is and she's been stalking him and it just makes her sadder because he chose Catherine instead of her and then he he laughs because he's been doing the same thing and then they almost kiss and then she stops. And she's like, I can't believe you're, how can you do this when Catherine might be pregnant? Do what? Huh? And he just, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, you you didn't know that. Cut huh. to commercial. Yeah, that was a good commercial break. He says, what? And it, it breaks. Um, we come back um, to the scene later. But for now, we cut to Emma, who finds the stranger, played by Eowyn Bailey. And she's escaping the storm in the diner to yeah. get, I guess, a hot meal. Is the person who I assume normally cooks is out today. <laughs> but yeah, and, and he's staying there, so of course he's there in this mostly empty diner that's very creepy and dark. They don't have lights on at night. And the two of them start talking, and he is so intense. Oh, he's into her, and and he's like teasing her about what's in the box, and I'm like. He's- He's very good with words. I wonder why. I'm very like, I'm watching this and I'm like sweating. Yeah, you texted me about this. <laughs> like he's like playfully flirting with her. And I'm just like, oh, I like, I like where this is going. Good for her, you know. I'm going to um, make you wait. Ugh. <laughs> or you can let me buy you a drink sometime. I'll tell you what's in the box right now. Sure. And it's a, ty- <laughs> and it's a typewriter. He's which, a writer. Which was such a 2011 uh, cliche for dudes to carry around old-fashioned typewriters that Luther cracked up. Okay. <laughs> but so, piercing blue eyes, scruffy, yes. drives a motorcycle, 
Yeah. Hanging out at a diner with some coffee. Hangs out at a diner with some coffee. I mean, he's literary. There's a lot of boxes for me personally. (laughs) It just checked right off. And he's just like looking at her with these hungry eyes. And then after he like, which I I wrote hungry eyes in my notes. So I would remember to tell you this. Hang on. (laughs) Um, So anyway, he gets up and he tells her he's going to buy her. He didn't say buy the drink now. Yeah. She's still making her wait. Sometime, yeah. And he, he finds this place inspiring. Have you been here before? I didn't say that. Like, everything he says is slightly enigmatic, and she's into it. But she's also very frustrated by it, because that she hates it. She would rather he just lied to her. I'm, uh, I'm so here for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of the hungry eyes of his... He is mm-hmm. our second Buffy alumni that I can think of off the top of my head as a secondary character. Who? Wait, who did he play? He was one of the hyena people in season one. No! <laughs> he ate a flutie! <laughs> He's a cannibal! Not that episode. That episode doesn't exist. It was never released. Hyena people! I love when they do a callback to it in, in like at the graduation when they're like, yeah. we all know there's some weird things in this town. Vampires, neck rupture, hyena people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Mary Margaret and David. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so she realizes, oops, she spilled the beans and the rain magically stops and she's like okay bye what kind of lost ass storm was that like i know this is abc but do people on abc know how rain works i don't know because sometimes i feel like our storms get built up and built up and built up and then it's like 10 minutes of heavy rainfall and then done but there's all the cleanup (laughs) so i don't know that felt realistic enough for me it felt conveniently too short but realistic enough compared to some of the storms we've been through lately Uh um the rain stopped by. She immediately just takes it. Like, he's like trying to talk to her about it. She's like, nope, dove. Uh, she finds the flock. They were waiting for the storm to clear. So they all got lucky. She releases the dove. And then David tries to hold her hand. No. it's a sweet moment. It's too and painful. That made, every time I watched this one, I like <gasps> hiccup sobbed a little bit. Because the way she delivers it, she's just like, with a smile on her face. No, David. Well. It's a matter of fact. It's too painful. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's like, <clears throat> well, I have, she's like, you chose Catherine. He's like, but I also have feelings for you. She's like, you can't have both because this is a very monog. She's a monogamous person. I, I will say that she is monogamous. So. And I assume. For her to be Catherine in a relationship well. with this person. Yeah. Yeah. For her to be in a relationship with this person, he needs to have feelings for just one of them. Yeah. And let's be real. <laughs> the ABC is not going to do polyamory. <laughs> not with the good guys. Not with the good. Yeah, no. Uh, so so she says, I, I understand. You have feelings for both. You have the memories of the feelings for her, and what you think are real feelings for me. Who knows what's really real? We have to forget each other. Goodbye. Yeah. And she leaves, and uh, and he's left there, sad and heartbroken. And I'm sorry, you're leading. <laughs> he's doing the thing. No, no, it's okay. Um, I I want to like we're we're getting short on time so i want to kind of get to this quick yeah quickly okay here's the scene where i'm gonna be mad at david okay yes me too we have a quick scene with with uh with snow and emma and oh no no no! that comes after this it's david first oh it's david first it's okay. david first yes so david is with with his wife Catherine. he asked her is there something you want to tell me 
And she lays it all out there that she feels he's been distant and preoccupied and he knows it's not easy on her. It's not any easier on her. Like she understands that he lost his memory and he's getting it back slowly, but also it's hard on her too. And she wants, she thought she was pregnant and she's relieved that she's not because a baby right now would not be good. They need to work on themselves. And he agrees with that. And then she says, which I just guess, sorry, I got to interrupt you. First TV couple in history that were like, yeah, baby is a bad time. This is a bad time to have a baby. We need to work on ourselves. Yeah. And here's where I get so mad because she's like, do you even want to make this work? And he's like, I do. Because he's a coward in his curse, his curse in this timeline, his human trait that he got is he's a coward in this timeline. He's not just a coward. He he doubles down on his cowardice because not only because if he were honest right now about his feelings, if he if he were to tell her, I'm sorry, but there's someone I would rather be with or yeah. even just I'm sorry, I just don't feel it. I need to work out myself. Yeah, we need to separate. Yeah. You know, anything. But not only does he say, I want to work on this. He agrees to go to couples counseling about it. He agrees to go to couples counseling about it. And while this is happening, I'm okay with it. I wasn't. I was okay with it. Yeah, this scene this scene is okay because this this scene is almost okay because Snow White just dumped him. And it ends with him saying, No, I'm not gonna go get coffee. Let's make breakfast together. Yeah, he's trying. And he's trying because Catherine is not the bad guy. Um Catherine Which, is is not the bad guy. They at no point make her the bad guy. She is just trying to get through this and be supportive, but yeah. she has to take care of herself too. And that that's one of the things they mentioned at the beginning. If she were if she weren't so nice, this would be easier. Yeah. What would be easier? Hmm. Um Yeah. 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 And so I'm still mad at him though because he wasn't honest with her. He wasn't honest with her. Um but it's one thing if he were dishonest with her about, yes, he has feelings for someone else, but he wants to make this work. But the thing is, based on what happens next, he does not. Yeah. He does not want to make this work. Yeah. Not truly. And he is leading her on and it is so upsetting to me. It's He feels like he needs to try to make it work. It's an honor thing. It's a, again, the honor thing. The honor thing is working again on him. Um, uh, and again, like I said, Part of it's the curse, but a lot of it is a cowardly human reaction. Yeah. Avoid the conflict. Make it better. But so on his way to work around 745, he swings. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Then we have a completely silent scene between M and Mary Margaret. Yeah. It's completely silent. It's just glances exchanged. And it was so beautifully done that I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, she watches Mary Margaret and Emma are having breakfast together. And she, Emma catches Mary Margaret looking at the clock as it ticks past 7.15. And M, M reaches across the table and holds her hand to comfort her. When I fell asleep. She's proud of her. When I fell asleep oh. weeks ago for the last episode, um, this is where I woke up. Oh, This is exactly where I woke up. I I just thought it was so beautiful. There was no dialogue and it was so well done and there was still so much emotion conveyed in it. I think it was short. Yeah. I think the stillness and the silence of that scene is actually what like disturbed me. Yeah. Like it woke me up. Because she's she's trying. Yeah. And it's so they're both they're both trying separately, which is a good start, right? 
Yeah. And then the next scene happens. And then the next scene happens. <sighs> where they run into each other at the diner, both trying at to go in at 745. Yeah. And I understand the writers of this show want them to be together. We want them to be together as the audience. They have to be together. They it's their... have to be together. Yeah. But... And then okay, he, so oh, he, can, wait, can, you know I mean? the <laughs> awkward turnaround when he sees her and tries to walk away yeah. is probably one of the best things he does on this show. And she should have let him go. She should have let him go, but she, she should have just let him go. But she chases him down to ask what he was doing there, because he's normally at work by this time, right? She knows that. She knows his schedule. And he was like, Oh, I was trying not to see you. And she's like, Oh, I was trying not to see you. He was like well, how do we stop seeing each other? Well, I guess we can't. And then he says the most romantic three words your crush can ever say to you before a first kiss. She's not pregnant. <laughs> <sighs> and then they kiss like horny teenagers <laughs> making on the out street. on the street. And of course, Regina is there to see it. Uh, and this was when I noticed I had been piecing together a fun uh, scenery detail about this show. And I pieced something together. I noticed that Regina's car is an older model. Mm-hmm. I noticed Mary Margaret's car is an older model with one of those leather bench seats and like the, the metal door handles. Yeah, Well, the show is filmed and, in Canada and, and I don't know no, if they have cars there. No, it. It is sorry, a sign. Dude. It is a sign that they all got transported there in 1983. I didn't see any. Ah. That's what I noticed. I don't remember exactly the model of car that David and Catherine had, but I don't remember it being a newer model. But I wonder if that is their way to show how much time has passed while it hasn't been passing. That all the main cars we see are these older 80s model. Cars. You are giving. I don't know. You are giving Team Synthetic Fur a lot more credit than I am. I uh, yeah. I if that is the truth, that is a really good detail. I I don't know. It was a detail I noticed this time, so it's something I'm going to pay more attention to now. There. Um, because they like there were three cars, and even even uh Ruby's Ruby had a classic car. Yeah, but Ruby had whenever a, it got towed. Ruby had a badass car. Yeah, but it was a badass classic car. True. And um. I don't know. Is it's something I'm going to pay attention to in the rest of this season, just to see if that's just a random coincidence or if that's actually a thing? Because it would make sense. I mean, who's leaving town to go buy cars? So my question to you now, mm-hmm. in review, yes, how many hipster typewriters out of five would you give this episode? Oh, this is a this one's a five because it made me angry and it made me cry. Like it made me go through all the emotions. It had some funny scenes. It had Rumpelstiltskin giggling in it. Mm-hmm. This was a five. This was a five box type hipster typewriters out of five. I, Absolutely. I uh, I'm giving it a four out of five for me. That's fair. We can um, disagree because there's some there's some holes that I know get answered later, but just feel left in this episode. That's fair. But uh, it was it was a strong four point five typewriters. Like there's a there's another half typewriter, but it's busted. So and I'm gonna I wanna I wanna I wanna harp a little bit more on the choices that were made by our good guys. Uh, this scene you can see them desperately trying to be good people, and they are good people. But even good people make bad choices, and the end of this episode turns 
it, it, it does that little flip where it turns our stereotypical good guys into this cheating, they're going to break some poor woman's heart bad guy. I have to and, say, and, yeah. and, and that, that was the whole point. We talked about this like in the first episode where, you know, she, she was so enamored with the idea of this goody two shoes being the other woman. Yep. Um, it's 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 interesting, and uh, this is the point in the show where I'm really glad we're recording again on Sunday because I'm ready to yeah. jump into the next one. Um, now let's talk about best dressed. Okay. So, huh. I I had a hard time with this, and then I remembered yeah. it's the stranger. <laughs> I, like his, I like his his too thin for what the weather is jacket because based mm. on how everyone else is dressed, it's not just rainy; it's also cold. And yeah. he's on a motorcycle and that jacket is not seasonal, that, <laughs> but it fits him real well. It's yeah. a nice jacket. I want that jacket. So yeah. uh, he, he's my best dress this episode. I will give I will give you that. And I will give next best dress to Red because she was on screen. <laughs> <laughs> also, Red <clears throat> and her Red Riding Hood outfit. That whole outfit is like that, that just that hood, that cloak is gorgeous and they Mm -hmm. they have her hair all down and her soft makeup so she was my next best dress um i had a uh oh oh ooh, hold on i had a line and i wanted to what was it oh no oh no hold on one second oh okay in our one interaction that we get with emma and regina there's this beautiful exchange where uh, my, this is my second favorite line. Oh yeah, my we first did favorite line. My first favorite line was building a volcano. Um, my second favorite line is when Regina's talking about the stranger and she's musing to herself, trying to figure out, she's like, he looks so familiar. And Emma goes, well, maybe he's one of the millions of people you curse. Oh yeah, I had a note about that. of just like, I like that we're at the point where we're joking about the curse. And Regina goes, what? Like shocked, like like for a second pulled out of her her thoughts because it's probably true and she's like and emma just she's like you know henry's whole thing ever no big deal yeah like she just just passes it off but i also like them working together i like regina showing the vulnerability of asking of asking emma for help here because she knows emma's the best suited for it because she cares for Henry, which is, again, such a... We, we mentioned this in the first episode, too. The thing we didn't like was that it was implied that Regina didn't actually love Henry. Um, with the, the understanding that it's probably because she didn't know how to love. But I love that here we are, season... Se- same season, but episode 10 of the same <clears throat> season. And we're seeing that that was not a lie. Yeah. She does care for her son. And we're starting to see it in the the nonverbal communication. We're starting to see it in her actions. And I'm very relieved for that. It still doesn't redeem the whole um, Graham thing. No. Uh, but I am happy to see the adoptive mother giving getting a chance to be the mother. Yes. And, and doing what she thinks is best for her kid and putting herself out there. And being yeah. vulnerable makes me really yeah. happy to see. Yeah. Um, so th- I think for me, we are kind of hitting, we're hitting a late time. You got some editing to do. It's fine. I've got a lot of editing to do <laughs> <laughs> um, before tomorrow. And uh, so for me, I think that unless you have any final thoughts. 
Oh, those were my final thoughts. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. Those were the things I wanted to make sure I got in there. I always think I'm going to rant way more. And then we just have such a good discussion that I'm down. Yes. I like there's a, I have a whole rant about what makes a compelling villain that I'm saving for a future episode that is probably coming up pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think that's all the time we have today. All right, so if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can ask us questions about the show or just questions about anything. Even You can ask uh, us about our cats. Yeah, even if it's not. We have seven cats. (laughs) We have seven cats between us. Um, That's at StorybrokePod on Twitter. And we can be downloaded wherever fine podcasts are found, wherever, whatever you use as a podcatcher. That is the technical term I learned from listening to a trillion other podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Spotify, Libsyn, whatever it is you use. If you could give us a rating or review us, that helps us move up in the rankings. And uh, what helps us even more than that, um, we are not a Patreon show. We are doing this solely out of our own pockets and time and love for hanging out with each other and doing this show. So... If you like the show, please share us on Twitter, send it to your friends and let them know that you love us because we love you. You you can share us on Facebook too. We just don't have a Facebook account made for this. (laughs) We've both been on cloud nine for the last two days because we have our, I think our first listener who isn't someone who's like, we've we've been friends with and been like, listen to the show. That's actually reached out to us. we do love our friends who've been listening to our show. Thank yes. you so much. <laughs> but it's just like, it's a stranger and they reached out to us. Not a stranger for long. I've been talking to her all day. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, I'm Elaine. I'm Mads. And this has been Storybrook. Miserably Ever After. Hello. No, it's 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 Reginald today. Hello, Edge. Ah. Ah. Come on. Ah. No, he just wants to scream. He scream. Ladies, them's and men, I guess. Um No Wedge. Okay, sorry. <laughs>